This episode may contain strong language, nudity, and dated pop culture references. Parental discretion is advised. From the audio corner of Meltdown Comics, it's Two Packs with me, Jeffrey Golden. Welcome to Two Packs, a trading card comedy show where I open up packs of weird, retro, dimension-hopping trading cards with a funny friend. This week, I'm joined by a very funny writer and comedian whose credits include Screen Junkies, Future Worm on Disney XD, and the Aquabats Super Show, and she co-hosts the delightful Everything's Coming Up podcast on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, Julia Prescott. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here, Julia. Oh man, this is going to be so fun. I think it is too. Were you a trading card person growing up or did you have another hobby as a kid? <gasps> oh boy, get ready for this Lisa Simpson answer. Good. I did not collect trading cards. However, I was super into using every single cent of my allowance on books. I went and ran to Barnes & Noble and got really into book series, but not your average babysitter's club stuff. (laughs) That that was sophisticated. It talked about sex, and I was also into- Whoa, you got sex books? I was being- Did you get the joy of sex? No, (laughs) no. I was really into this one author, Francesca Leah Block, who wrote a lot within magical realism, and so I was really into that when I was growing up, Uh, and so I had those book series that she came out with, and then other ones that were mildly sci-fi stuff so that's what I collected and I kept trying to because for some reason when you're growing up what's your collection was something that everybody had to adhere to we all had to be collectors of something which is really weird to me now to find who you were as a matter of fact yeah but there was this weird impetus to find what you dug and collect it as a hobby and so I think I tried a couple different things I mean I was really into Spice Girls growing up so when the dolls came out and shit like that I was Uh, like I'm gonna collect these but I just quickly lost interest so uh, I never did cards, though I do appreciate them. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what you want. Not more Spice Girl stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm done with the Spice Girls. And also my mom bought the dolls thinking that they were going to be worth something one day, which we all did. <laughs> but I immediately opened them. I guess I also kind of collected Beanie Babies, but those were more just a requirement of being a kid of the 90s. Right. It was mandatory. Mandatory yeah. hobbies. My mandatory one of the 90s was Pogs. I did oh, Pogs. Yeah. But I was the Pog dealer at my oh, school. Really? I would get them wholesale and then sell them. Because you remember, an element of Pogs is it was gambling. You would lose yes. Pogs. Yeah. So you had to keep getting more Pogs because yeah. you would lose them on the, in your Pog games. In fact, you mentioned The Simpsons, and of course, Everything's Coming Up podcast mm-hmm. is a great Simpsons watching podcast. I believe I actually had Alf Pog oh, in yeah. Pog form. Yeah. That's so funny. I remember, so my grandpa had a business. He had several businesses that he kept hopping around from but the last one that he had when I was growing up was a laser wood engraving business you know for companies that are like good job Chuck they get a plaque and they're like here you go so every Christmas all the grandkids would get a jewelry box or something one year we got a box to hold our American Girl dolls and it was only after they presented it to us at Christmas that someone I believe it was my aunt said that it looked like a fucking casket holding (laughs) holding my American Girl dolls because they were wooden and perfectly casket shaped 
But he got I into like pogs. The, oh, that's hilarious. He started, he cranked them out because he saw the trend. And, but he was the last person to notice what oh. pogs were. But anyway, he, he made the pogs. the final wave. Yeah, absolutely. Into the sunset. I but like it, the yeah. idea of dead American girl doll pogs. Yeah. Where it's hands coming out of caskets oh. and like that, but that you're flipping them. I yeah, think that'd that be, feels that sort of like, fun. if we're going to talk about another podcast, maybe a crossover with My Favorite Murder, that could be right. their merch or something. <laughs> so speaking of The Simpsons, my original thought was, oh, we should open up some Simpsons trading cards. Mm-hmm. But we already opened up the best Simpsons trading cards in an earlier episode with oh. the comedian Paige Weldon, who's another Simpsons fan. Mm-hmm. So I thought, all right, well, I've got to get more Fox shows from the mid-90s. Yes, please. So, so fun. So we have today our trading cards from Fleer Ultra. It's the Fox Kids Network premiere edition. This is from 1995. So these are cards for X-Men, the animated series, Spider-Man, Extravaganza. Do you remember Eek the no. cat? No. Well, you're, oh, you're going to remember Eek the cat. This is great. Kumbaya, Sharky. Oh, my God. You're going to remember that. The Tick. So this should oh, be Oh, I some, remember The Tick, yeah. Some really interesting stuff, some primo oh, stuff boy. here. But we also have one of my personal favorite ridiculous TV shows from Inkworks 1997. This is Sliders. Oh my God. <laughs> they can't get home. They're traveling from parallel dimension to dimension. They've got Rembrandt, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> Others. They're all there. Others. The four, the four of them. Wow. They're all there. Where do you get these? These ones I got at Tucson Comic Con for yes. less than a dollar each. Great. So a guest gets to decide which pack would you like to open? I mean, Sliders or Fox Kids? So as a writer of kids television, it behooves me to pick the animated one, yeah, the course. kids one. Let's do that one. All right. You hold on to that there, and I will use the device, wow. whatever it's called. One. This is beautiful. It kind of looks like the same packaging as fruit snacks when you're a kid. This is true. Yeah, I, I, that I think was that's on purpose. almost certainly intentional. <laughs> but the sliders one, I don't think is nearly as cool. It's just key art from the show. God, that's so funny. It says premium trading cards. So these are premium cards. Oh, good. Inkworks, not one of the best and brightest. So what's the difference between premium trading card and substandard? Marketing. Or <laughs> I think in this case, what they're probably referring to is the quality of the paper. Yeah. There's probably a glossy paper. Because I know that there's a difference with standards of pints of ice cream you get from the grocery store. Did you know that? (laughs) I didn't know that. It's based on the milk content. If it's thicker or has... Heavy cream (laughs) is what I was going for. It's more premium. But if it's less than, there are different tiers for you to determine. (laughs) I don't know why I know that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. Listen. I'm I'm a font of unnecessary knowledge. I think that's cool in an age of Wikipedia. (laughs) up anything it's cool to know things i will get us started here yeah so i've got two cards this one is just called season three just what it's called at the bottom of the card and it it shows jerry o'connell wearing an orange vest reminiscent of back to the future and he's looking kind of off to the distance in a jerry o'connell acting y sort of way where he's thinking really hard full reverie yeah he's thinking but his face isn't wrinkling up so that's it looks good. And he's holding a giant gun of some kind with an ammo strapped across his back. And a child 
who could very well be a young Jerry O'Connell, okay. is looking up at him, and he's also holding a giant gun. Wow. <laughs> Older man and young man it's a holding woman. weapons together. It's a young woman. That's a girl? That's a girl. That's a lady? You're gender blind. Oh, I guess I must be. This looks like it's it a- was shot on the Hill Valley set at Universal, <laughs> though, so it could be. The, I was- recognize <laughs> the movie references, but not genders. Yeah, no, the it's okay. The important stuff. You pick and choose. It also looks like his art artillery or whatever you call it, the shells across his chest for the gun, fake as fuck. Yeah, because they have big orange caps on them. They have big orange caps. And I wonder, I remember hearing something about how film and TV shows can't show real ammo or something that looks very realistic for some reason. A real gun. Is that a real fact? I don't know. I thought See, that I'm, it was- See, I'm t- dead on about the ice cream facts, hey, but I'm crazy hey. on film and television. Well, at least they don't have orange tips on no. the guns themselves. That would be really sad. Yeah, that reminds me of a lot of sketches- of having to shave off the orange tip (laughs) from a fake gun. (laughs) You know what I'm realizing? This might not actually be a young girl, this might actually just be the girl that is part yeah, of their group. Yeah, it seems group. that way. I thought that she was like a young boy, but I think that she is actually the girl in their crew. Can I tell you that haircut? No. I accidentally got that haircut when I was 13. <laughs> Walked into a salon and it was right around the time of, you know, when you're a kid and you go to get a haircut. I think this is more true for girls, but you don't know when to speak up if it's going right. awry. <laughs> and so... You just like look in the mirror <laughs> Terrified as I was your hair so is agreeable. You. you know, they're an artist and this is their art. Why am I? Who am I to interrupt their process? But I remember wanting to get a Natalie Imbruglia haircut. Great. Again, 90s. Yeah. And coming in and being Listen, like, you I were, want that. You were torn. I was torn. You were torn. And it ended up being so butch and terrible. And then my mom picked me up and I was crying. And yeah. the first thing she was like, well, I'm sorry that that didn't work out, but we have a day full of errands to get done. And I was like, yeah. okay. And the first stop on the errands trip was was going to Sears, and the first room we walked into was the fucking Hall of Mirrors. Oh, me, of course. <laughs> and so of I was course. just walking through the okay, living like, uh, wares or whatever housewares section. Yeah, Reflecting in, in back shame. at you. So that's what that reminds me of. On the back, we see the classic group all together. Jerry O'Connell, Rembrandt, fat guy with tie, the girl oh, who yeah, I thought was classics. a guy. And it's, it's his third season. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? Ooh. What if you could slide to a thousand in different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person but everything else is different and what if you can't find your way home sounds like a sliders to me god that premise is so overwhelming to me as a writer this season's character-driven stories arc through multiple shows and rely heavily on science fictional motifs such as weather control dream states and shape-shifting I know why, because the first two seasons relied on interesting social issues and probably did not do as well as they were hoping. Wasn't it Quantum Leap Light? Yeah, it was Quantum Leap Light. I mean, it was Quantum Leap with four people. They should have had Scott Bakula on just just to sort of seal the deal. They should have done one episode, one Bakula-centric episode. Bakula's president or something like that. Back to Bakula. I don't need to do the marketing for them. Okay, (laughs) one quick question. Science fictional? Science fictional. Science fictional? Yeah, science fictional. Did they make that? They invent. They coined the term science wow, fictional innovators. on That's yeah. amazing. I'm going to uh, use that in a sentence this week. A science fictional. I'm feeling very science fiction now. The, I don't know why. The I current put, like, political situation it. feels oh, science fictional. Oh, don't even fictional. touch it. Don't even go there. What's your first card? Okay, my first card is from season two. And the caption just says, caught. So it front. is an action shot, but an action shot you can tell 
was posed. Right. And because the cameras <laughs> couldn't blur. And <laughs> it's this monster looking motherfucker who looks like a mixture of Captain Picard, Great. but Grease Monkey style, because he's got a bunch of dirt on him. And then he's got sort of a monkey's nose. Oh. And then a lot of scabby stuff around his face. He looks like he's got an outfit that looks like the Enterprise uniform. Hmm. And then he's holding some sort of space grenade that is red and maybe there's a laser beam that's shooting out. Hopefully this is not a Cro-Mag. This oh. show had villains Uh-oh. called Cro-Mags and they were really It's a Cro-Mag. Oh no, I hate Cro-Mags. They were the you, worst. Are you ready for this? Yeah, Y'all ready please. For this? Taken prisoner by the Cro-Mags. <laughs> uh, the sliders are yeah. transported to a barren world where no women can give birth. Okay, stupid. Right. Where they are interrogated using a human translator. Okay. She tells them the Cro-Mags were constantly at war with each other until they discovered sliding. What? Whoa, see, they, they know can about slide. sliding too? Yeah, they can slide too, oh, but they man. slide for evil. They don't slide for no. good or for just whatever. They have Our a slider slide sliding is... dance? Did they do the electric slide? They really missed an opportunity really to did. have a tie-in so dance. So stupid. I'm sorry I said that. Maybe two people form the portal uh-huh. and then people slide through the portal. <laughs> like it's the limo? Like it's the limo. Cool. And then, but then one side they're dancing one way uh-huh. and then you slide through the portal, and the then human you... portal, and on the other side they're it's dancing a, a different way. So it's <gasps> a parallel universe. But it's all flipped. Universe. It's all goofy foot. Yeah. That's really interesting. I see why this show is popular. <laughs> all right. So seeing the many worlds dominated by homo sapiens... <laughs> the Cro-Mags, united to devote their energies to the conquest of these other Earths. Now the Cro-Mags will do anything to get the coordinates of the Sliders no. dimension. No! no! And this is number 44 in the series, so <laughs> the, that's a good one. Yeah, Cro-Mags are no good. When you start seeing Cro-Mags on Sliders, you're tuned no, out. out what you want from the show is, what if nerds were cool? The that's sexual what... tension between that young boy and that older boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> they were. Yeah. I've got a card. It's an old man wearing an Indiana Jones outfit, wearing like a brown leather jacket and with a big brim hat, and he's mostly in shadows. He's pointing to his forehead, I think, to say, the mind knows. I, yeah. I know what's going on, Missy, and I believe it is a, the lady slider who's looking. And the caption is, I like this caption, one cool cat. Ooh, my God. <laughs> Look at that. One that cool cat. That looks like cat. the cover of The Blacklist. He looks like an alternate Blacklist. Wow. It's like James Spader versus this guy. We gotta get some Blacklist trading cards happening right now, because <laughs> the kids, they are are hungry. I believe this episode was called Great Fellas, which is no. Mwah. That's Mwah. so stupid. So if stupid. somebody pitched that in the room, I'd be like, you guys. You guys aren't trying hard enough. Because you know, That's the, your problem. Yeah, that's the thing. You're ordering too much Chinese food that, and yes. you're not They're working. definitely fumbling. Not to talk about The Simpsons during this entire podcast, but The Simpsons were so great at making references to titles of movies and Absolutely. blah, blah, blah. And they did it in such an intelligent way. Great Fellas is such a fucking <laughs> first draft lazy attempt. I'm sure it was written on a Denny's napkin. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. 
something, because on this world, prohibition was never repealed, and organized crime families became rich and powerful by bootlegging That's alcohol fun, and building gambling casinos. I like yeah. That. They control vast empires in California and Nevada. But bullies, first and foremost, their normal order of business includes extortion, bribery, and murder. Quinn learns that Mel Torme is working undercover Mel for the Torme. FBI. Mel Torme. No. Get it out. Feels like such a betrayal Here's of everything thing. I know about Mel Torme. Here's the thing that, uh, about this show. They started to have me with the alternate reality where prohibition was never repealed. Right. And I think that that's the real shining part of this show is sort of similar to the Man in the High Castle, that Amazon show right. of this alternate history. I think that that's really tasty. What if, you know, this one... I love what ifs. What if this never happened? Or what if this just continued to happen and nothing stopped it or whatever? What right. if no one killed Hitler or something? Yeah. Or Hitler <laughs> it's always died. Hitler. <laughs> they must have done a hundred Hitler episodes That was on definitely sliders. on the wall. But then they lost me when they brought in real people. I feel like even though it is this historical blur, it would have been more fun to introduce a Mel Torme type character so right. that you don't get hung up on it because then who is that for basing it on the real person? Well, the parents th- watching? I don't know. I remember one episode uh, I forget why this was the case but it was Star Trek wasn't popular but Dragnet was and uh-huh. they had like a Dragnet the next generation Oh my! you saw like poster for it or something like that I don't know I love those kind of weird specific that's fun <laughs> no no that is fun I guess I'm just Meltame is so random seems no, random you. yeah speaking of random okay. what's your last my card my last there? card it looks like a oil paint rendering of the cast in right. action. Um, Are they sliding? Or? No, they're against a crime lineup, like a criminal lineup wall. Great. And the back says, dimensional shadows. Ooh. In parentheses, sliders. Darkest hour, number two of three. No. Whatever that means. I don't means. ever want them to have dark hours. That's I know. the thing. Again, quantum leap. I just want them to go places and have just fun. Just have fun. But this says, while their personalities continue to break down to their bassist, okay, the Slider's friendship is pushed to the limits. Oh no, their friendship. <laughs> Rembrandt sells out the others, but they're not ready to be turned into spare parts, and they escape, dragging him along. One of the proxies accompanies them, but experiencing confusion at being cut off from the neural net. Oh no. Jesus. Christ, what a terrible name for something neural net. Again, what I want from this show is what if dinosaurs still were around? Not any of this. The budget didn't allow. (sighs) The budget did allow for psychological tension. No. She steps in front of, I know, she steps in front of a car and is literally cut down by its driver's Ronin bodyguard. This is number 51 in the series. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should slide into the world of Fox next. Well, and we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll be right back. We're back. Oh, wow. We talked about so many things on that break that I feel. I know. I'm like, how do we jump back in? It's hard. We it's solved. That, yeah. Get, get that, that nice. Foley. It's better than a chewing sound. That's right. That's what I hate on podcasts. Um, num, num, num. Ooh, you know what? I got to say, this feels like a premium card because there's hmm. not only a really good plastic to this, but they have embossed elements to Ooh. it for the text. And there's a gold element. So the first one that I picked, and I should say that 
when it came to Saturday morning cartoons, I was less of a Fox animation kind of gal and really? more of Disney. I watched a lot of Disney afternoon. And then when one Saturday morning came out, I watched a lot of that. I, so I was, watched all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was obsessed with cartoons, with Saturday mm-hmm. morning cartoons. I watched them way yeah. longer than I should have been. And probably. Cartoon Network, too. I would watch a lot of Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Absolutely. Girls and stuff like that. But I did dip my toe just slightly into Fox, but my channels were mostly Nickelodeon and uh, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> but I did watch The Tick. Great. And was excited about that. And also was Freakazoid Fox? I feel like Freakazoid. Uh, no, Freakazoid was the WB. Oh, was was I did watch. Show. I did. Yes, you're right. Yeah, Freakazoid um, is great. I always secretly hoped that there would be a, well, yeah, Animaniacs, yeah, Vicky and the Brain. I always secretly hoped that there would be a Freakazoid Tick crossover oh, of some yeah. kind. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, they were all about crossovers back then. I remember there, I did you ever see that super cheesy- yep. Um, I know what you're talking uh, about. You're talking about the cartoon All-Stars to the yes, Rescue. Yes. The drug yes, PSA. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I've seen it multiple times. Oh, I've boy. written about it. It's, oh, boy. It's I an bet. amazing, it's amazing. piece of work. Yeah, yeah I was going to say a piece of history, a piece of culture. <laughs> Jumping into the cards, I picked one from The Tick. Great. And the name on it is Monitoring the Culture. And it is a picture of The Tick sitting on his couch watching television, <laughs> just completely engrossed. There's a little arm shelf he's doing with one of his hands, and he's got the remote in his hand ready to go. And then on the back, it says, Poor Tick, 129 channels of pure, wholesome entertainment, and every one of them is currently showing a commercial by Honesty Cola. Eat drama flakes. Oh, the terrible trauma of viewing the 30-second sell-a-thon. The Tick says on the bottom left-hand corner, Ah, commercials. Brace yourself while corporate America tries to sell us its wretched things. I feel like this is a really great example of how I wouldn't say Going so over much children's heads yeah your, yeah it's a little subversive show. and I guess meta with commenting on television itself while it is a television show that's why Fox um, was so cool Fox had that Fox those was edgy, so cool they had those edgy tunes yeah I, I mean I love that they and the Simpsons of course did this a bunch but they allowed their shows to make fun of the network itself because right. at this time also Fox was in such a huge transition it's true. and it was a relatively new network considering as far as like the rebrand goes which sparked with The Simpsons and Married with Children and then of course went on and on and on and now is a juggernaut. But at the time it was still trying to find its footing and I love that its footing was being self-deprecating. Right. (laughs) I think that that's great. And yeah, also I think that the tick with shows like Freakazoid, Earthworm Jim, Mm -hmm. those kind of shows I think were kind of the spark of what has now informed current animated shows in being smarter than they are required to be. I credit Who Framed Roger Rabbit as a sort of thinking of cartoons being meta. Because yeah. you see them even in the Disney shows. Yeah. Like, you see a big wave of cartoons that aren't afraid to talk about cartoons. And of yeah. course, the Warner Brothers shorts would all break the fourth Absolutely, wall. Absolutely, yeah. Too. But I think in the modern sense, Roger Rabbit was the start of it. And mm-hmm. it definitely continues through the tick, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the history of animation and as far as kids' entertainment goes, I feel there's sort of a bell curve that occurred of you start with Looney Tunes, which was technically for a little bit more for adults than it was for kids. Yeah. You know, they would play before movies and theaters and have really dark elements and I think that a lot of us forget it but I recently <laughs> rewatched some and it was woof. And then it kind of I think through the 50s and 60s and 
I would even say 70s, it became a little bit more, we want an escape and we don't want this to be subversive. We just want cartoons for cartoon's sake. And then I think that in the 80s, yeah, with Roger Rabbit and these new initiatives of we have to have Saturday morning cartoons and this is a big chunk of our programming, that they became a little bit more conscious. And also they became more creator driven too. So as a backlash from Transformers, G.I. Mm-hmm. Joe's, Gem, you know, which were just toy commercials. Yes. They started putting creators in charge. Like Ben Endland is super, his voice is right. like super clear in the tech. The current state right now, and I try to tell people this too in having written for a number of these kind of shows, is that it's not any different than writing a sitcom. It's just the tools that we have are just slightly different. And, and maybe there's a couple more boxes that we have to hit. I remember when I was working at Disney, a joke was, well, they can't be eating nachos. We have to adhere to the Disney Healthy Eating Initiative. So right. let's swap it out for carrots. And we would put those in the scripts to be assholes. We'd right. be like, they're eating carrots, according to the Disney Healthy yeah. Eating. So those are the kind of things that are different. But otherwise, writing is writing is writing. So I love these cards because the tick was obviously one of my favorite uh-huh. Saturday morning cartoons of all time. Another one was X-Men. Now, unfortunately, this rendering of Storm from the X-Men is maybe one of the most grotesque I've ever seen. Oh, really? It's clearly mid-90s wow. computer animation. It resembles the look of Reboot. Remember the show Reboot about yeah. the, the inside the computer? Only Reboot was a show about computer characters, and this is trying to be like fluidly adapt what Storm should look like. Yeah. These breasts are something else. I was going to say but... dem titties. It looks like Silver Surfer just <laughs> squeebed all over her fucking titties. And then she's got that huge 80s hair, but also she's got that hair. You know when you go to a mom and pop salon in the middle of nowhere and it's those weird otherworldly kind of illustrations of people that aren't yep. based at all in reality and they're glued to the front window? That's what it looks like. Her hair is this weird metallic 1980s glow dream. And then she's got the no pupils because she's storming out. She's doing a little bit of a lightning action. She's such a vacuous accessory to the male gaze right now. I know. It's, which is not <laughs> Not storm. to get all Roxanne Gay which is, on which you. Is super not storm it's super not storm the, not her character so my wife and i went as x-men for two years in a row and she did a storm mm-hmm. both times one time she did punk storm oh, so she did storm with the mohawk I which it. it was amazing but the second time we did x-men group costume and we did X-Men, the animated series, casual X-Men. Uh-huh. So sometimes the X-Men will go to the mall. For sure. And they have mall outfits yes. and stuff. So we did that That's one fun. year for us. Yeah, she wore, it was Storm and her friend went as Rogue uh-huh. in thing, their mall shopping That's attire. Fun. Yeah, I did casual Wolverine. I love those mashups. I think that they're so creative with Halloween. It's so much better than just doing like a beat-by-beat blueprint of whatever of the, the character, character is. It's your okay. next card My here. My next card is actually from X-Men. Great. Which is a show that I didn't really watch a ton of, but it was on the tick would roll into it. Yes. It's a great show. I didn't super get into it. And it kind of felt to me in a similar way as I did watch a lot of Sailor Moon. Right. Not because I ever liked it. Interesting. But I've seen so many episodes. It was because my friends at the time in elementary school were like super into it, particularly one girl who I think was a little too into it. She <laughs> she was really, really crazy about it. Yeah, they kind of checked the same box for me as far as childhood cartoons. I've always related to the X-Men. They're outsiders, right. you know. Outsiders. Sliders. Outsliders. Ooh. 
I also really liked, and I don't know that I had ever seen it done in a cartoon show before, but there were many multi-part episodes. Right. So they would do a lot of three-part, five-part epics. The Dark Phoenix Saga was mm-hmm. six episodes long, which I thought was really cool. You know, I'd seen a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. I hadn't really experienced that. So you got uh, Scott Summers got, there. Yeah, I Cyclops. got Cyclops. Dick of the um, group. Yeah. The, big, the dick. The dick. He's, and then, uh, he's screaming he's, as he yeah. blasts. Upward he's into in the pain. air. He, it's he's a real close-up. It's a real close-up. It, it's a good headshot. He's got his cyclop glasses on, and there's like a big pink laser beam coming out of the whole thing. So it's this big shot of laser. And it could be either that he's being hit and his response is to laser beam it up, <laughs> or he's striking and his response is to laser beam it up. But on the back it says, Cyclops always thought his father was dead and that he was an orphan. Recently, though, what? he discovered... His father was alive. Yeah, that's true. I remember that when that happened. And leading the Star Jammers yeah. as their captain, Corsair. Yeah, the space Corsair. Stuff is always- which, by the way, the 1960s Corvair was my dream car when I was 15, which I picked arbitrarily because it just looked cool to me and sounded cool. What about the 1950s Corsair? Ooh. <laughs> I've got one last card here. This is from the Tick. The Tick had a great rogues gallery, chair-faced Chippendale, but this one may be a little bit less inspired. We see a close-up of a doorman at a building, and he's like kind of a big, bulky guy, and he's literally, his name is Doorman. Yeah. He is the Doorman. Be careful how you pronounce his name, please. It is Doorman, not Doorman. That's fun. Men sometimes call him Jim. Yeah. His high-profile job at the comic club entails keeping out non-superheroes and sidekicks. His doorman senses are keen, so crashers, watch out. Yeah, you know. This is my kind of show. That feels like something I would write in a pitch document. Doorman. Not doorman. I love those specifics. No, I do. I I like it too. I think that that's super fun. Agreed. (laughs) So I have to get to work here because I've got something called a power pop-up. Yes, please. And I've got to figure out how this works. Okay. While I go to work, you're helping people with workshops right here at Meltdown Comics at the Nerd Melt Theater. Thank you so much for mentioning it. Tell me about your lecture. Yeah, so... So this is a new show that I started producing at Meltdown Comics, and we just did our third one on January 21st. And it's looking like it's going to be more or less the third Saturday of every month at 4 p.m. So it's this perfect pre-party Saturday night thing. But I kind of describe it as grad school for getting jabs um, in Hollywood. It isn't just specific to TV writing and feature film writing. I'm hoping to expand it to trying to break into the graphic artist kind of community and being a published author and stuff like that. But each one is a lecture with a panel of professionals. And usually we have three to four people. And I try to get a range of different backgrounds. So our first one was called, how do you get your first writing job? And we had Lori Kilmartin from Conan. How do you do it? In five sentences. How do you do it? One sentence. How do I get my first? Well, (laughs) you just just keep writing and you keep writing. It's just a matter of. There's no substitute for hard work. No substitute for hard work. Except connections. Really good connections. I know. So then, yeah, of course, there's there's a combination of the two. That was our broadest topic that we have covered, which I think meant that it was a good one to start with. So for me, in my experience, and then also the experience I was shared with the panelists, it seems like don't wait for anybody to give you the opportunity, but be prepared for that moment, which is 
going to come when you meet somebody and they go, wow, you're a writer. Can I read something that you've written? Yes, you can. And then you either have short stories or sketches or a pilot or a spec or whatever. So basically it was just be prepared and just keep writing and write every day and then call yourself a writer even if you're a barista. Of course, not while you're a barista. That's obnoxious. But you know what I mean? Just sort of treating it like it's already your job. If your customers are working on their screenplays, why shouldn't you be working on your screenplay behind the counter? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you've got to pursue your gig too. Yeah, yeah. The takeaway from that particular one was you never know when anything that you do is going to lead to something else. And so for me personally, I came out of college and started writing, but then there was this huge gap between my job on Mad on Cartoon Network and then getting the next one. And instead of just waiting around, I just kept, well, then I'm just going to do more stand up or I'm going to do, I just kept myself busy partially to distract myself so that I wouldn't go insane waiting for someone to pick up the phone and call me, but also because I knew that the more experience that I had just creating and exploring my own creativity and whatever, whatever, would just be better in the long run because not only would it strengthen my skills, but it's just more opportunities for people to find me and to like what I do. Right. So yeah, so we covered that. So where do I find these lectures if I want to go? So we have a Facebook page that I just started called The Nerd Mount Lecture Series. We were also recently a pick of the week for LA Weekly for this Ooh, previous Congratulations. Month. Thank you so much. And then, yeah, you can find me online at Julia Prescott and I post about it all the time. And on Meltdown's website, they will always list what's going on. So our next one is I guess the third Saturday of February and the subject has not been finalized yet, but just trust that we're always going to have a panel of people that range from working in cable to network sitcom to sketch comedy to late night to animation. Yeah. You know, I try to get all the boxes sort of covered. And our first one, we had Vanessa Ramos and Megan Amron, who wrote for the goddamn Oscars. Son of a bitch. So like, what, how do you do that? Sounds like an award-winning good time. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, we didn't get into it because we only had so much time, but I just want to know about the fucking goodie bags they got for <laughs> working on that. I bet they got a Zune. You know what I bet they didn't get, though? Amazing trading cards. What? It's time to trade. Okay, yes. Trade. Look how cool this turned out. This is the Fox Power pop-up. This is by far the best pop-up card I've ever had on this show. It actually worked, and it worked really easily. That's great. And it creates a little pop-up Arthur. Look at that. Can I trade this rendering of them in oil painting for that one? Ooh. I always let the guest choose first. Okay. So these are the cards we have here. I'm going to do this one. I'm going to take one cool cat. One cool cat. All right. Do I get Well, I'd like the power pop-up if I can get it. Okay, take it back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me get this power pop-up here. Arthur. He doesn't look very powerful. He just is kind of standing around. That's going to be fun on your office desk. Oh, 100%. No, that's where it will be forever. Do I choose again? Well, this time I initiate the train. Let's see. And I would love... Yeah, normally, I would always take a storm card, but that storm, it just looks, looks just not a good storm. Yeah. It's not a good storm. No. But I do love the tick. And I have Arthur, so maybe I should try yeah, to grab Yeah, you, you should, you should the pair tick. them up. Which sliders card would you like? In I'll take exchange? this one. I'll take the one you talked about. Season three. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell and someone. Yes. We can't, of indeterminate age and yes. gender. And then what do we do now? What we do is I say thank you. <gasps> oh! For coming on the Thanks show. Thanks so much for having me. Julia, so Oh, cool. Jeffrey. Ah, Get out of here. You're the Get best. Get out. You're the best. Hey, we want to say thank you to Meltdown Comics, Mason in the booth. Hey, this has been Jeffrey Golden for two packs. Let's go out on the theme to sliders. Do you know the theme to sliders? No. How okay. does it go? All right. It goes. Ready? Ready? <laughs> 
I will confess, I do not know what this song is. I had a hunch. Two Packs was produced and engineered by Mason Booker. Opening theme by Matt Myers. Break music by Lee Rosevere. Logo by Kenny Kyle. Like the show? Rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us find new listeners as cool as you. Follow us on Twitter at Two Packs Podcast, that's T-W-O, and me at Jeffrey Golden, that's Jeffrey with a G. Special thanks to Meltdown Comics. I left a bunch of these cards at the store for you to take. I'm your host, Jeffrey Golden. Hey, be good to each other. Yeah, nobody knows how to write comedy in college, and it's a mishmash of all these different majors, too. You know, it kind of feels like UCB Improv 101, where it's, here's the mom, and here's the mousy accounting chick who, like... more expensive, because you're taking it in an actual college, as opposed to a clown college. Absolutely, as opposed (laughs) to a clown college. You mean Stanford? Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs)